Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. This week on the Grappling Rewind, we're going to talk about Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Brazil, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, Fight to Win Pro 54 in Dallas, Texas, and Kit Dale versus Craig Jones. We also briefly touch on the world ranking standings. Today we're going to be breaking down We're going to be breaking down not so much because we have been really busy. That's why this podcast today is brought to you by Alcohol. We were at wedding for the entire weekend, so it's we're we sound rough because we feel rough. Um, I have a bit of a head cold, and Maine is just hungover. That happens. Yeah, it happens. Party time! Grappling Rewind podcast. So we're gonna be breaking down Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Brazil, Combat Jiu Jitsu Worlds, and Fight to Win Pro Fifty Four. And breaking down is is being used very loosely. Uh, it's so. more so going over things that you've probably already seen right now because we had a busy weekend. So starting off the fight to win Pro 54, the results, uh, the event paid out a little under $22,000, $21,998 in salaries. Somebody could have donated $2 and it would have been a nice even number. It bothers my, my OCD. Yep. <laughs> so again, always great to see the guys getting paid, um, especially... A local event. I forget exactly where this one was. It was in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, Texas. Um, Josh, do you want to go through some of the Black Belt results? So, bottom to top, uh, and I'm going to butcher these names. I'm already looking at it. It's great. Uh, Ivanel Oliveira defeats Randy Villarreal by decision. Uh, Andre Maneco Lich, which I believe is Alex Viana's, or going to be Alex Viana's new instructor, who is from Chicago. Uh, defeated Eddie Sainz. Ooh, Sainz? Sainz. Sainz. I told you I'm going to butcher him. Armbar. Hanato Tavares, who everybody knows, who's been defeating fools forever. He's been doing jiu-jitsu since before you knew about jiu-jitsu. Uh, defeated Bobby Pena by Ezekiel Choke, which got submission of the night. That'll be definitely one to go rewatch. Ooh, definitely. He's a tiny little tank, and it's awesome. What's his weight class? What does he compete at? Um, this one, I'm not 100% sure. He's normally like lightweight, featherweight, somewhere around there. He's a smaller dude. He might have bulked up a little bit and just was bigger, but he's normally a smaller guy. Uh, moving on. Jose, uh, I wonder if we're going the Miguel Angel or if we're, this is just literally Angel. So let's go. Uh, Jose Angel Lanas defeats Albert Hughes by split decision. Jonathan Accard defeated Mauro Sorez by decision. Cameron Couch defeats KJ Kama by decision. Dondi Morgan defeated Chris Hadi by Estima Lock. Leonardo Machado, uh, since it's in tech, this is in Texas, I'm assuming is related to the Machados, defeated Michael Foster by Armbar. And Daniel Alvarez defeated Tammy Musumeci. By decision, but it was given the fight of the night, and I caught a little snip here and there, and it was uh, it was definitely another one that you should go uh, catch the replay for, uh, whether you're browsing on Facebook and you can catch the 30-second clip that Flow posts or Fight to Win posts, or if you can catch the whole match on Flow, awesome sauce. So currently, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds is going on right now. 
as we speak. We record this podcast on typically Sunday evenings, and uh, Eddie Barber likes to start his events at, you know, between 7 and 9. Well, technically, you know, his undercard started at 7, so they had two matches before the actual four card, the full card, which started at 8. Um, which was kind of cool that they're doing an undercard type thing, but if you're just going to do it, just throw it all on one card and start it at that one time. Yeah, it's a little weird. I, I love what they're doing. I said it before, I'll say it again. I hate that they start so late on a Sunday evening, and Josh, is, Josh and I have talked back and forth about this before. Uh, I, I just can't watch the whole event. I always have to go to sleep before the event's over and catch the replay on Monday morning because it, it'll go till 1 or 2 in the morning, and it's just too late for me to watch. This one's actually been zipping by, though, so it's not that bad. There were several matches that went to the decision, but it was still pretty exciting uh, from what I was watching. My current gripe with it when I was watching it before I was recording, because it won't work on my phone and I can't watch it right now, is that the picture does not fit computer screens. And if you're pushing your pay-per-view, your inch-by-inch TV to try to sell it that way and not have people watch it on fight pass fit it to screens um yeah i think that the some of the wording is cut off it's not fit properly to it it's i I have weird pet peeves about those things where production quality right it's just bad production quality from that but if you switch over to the fight pass stream of it it's everything's great uh which is weird but it's also delayed by a couple of minutes so close to 10 minutes sometimes i don't know about 10 minutes but you know I'll just say 10 minutes because that's a nice round number. Um, the first match that came up was um, Ray Del Leon versus Lade Anderson. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it really got the card going. It kicked it off. And uh, as soon as it went on the ground, these guys were going at it. I mean, swinging, which was awesome to see. Um, it's an improvement from what I was talking about previously, where the guys are just sort of literally slapping you like I'm going to get offended if somebody smacks me in the face that way to where these guys are hitting. Yeah, like Josh and I were talking last time when we watched the last Akamba Jiu-Jitsu event is the slaps aren't going to really disincentivize position. Like the guys aren't getting hit hard enough to force scrambles and force changes because the guy's going, okay, you're slapping me. It's annoying, but it's not going to make me abandon what I'm going for if I think that I have a submission or a sweep or an advantageous position. Yeah, and this one's it's a little bit more of a pickup. Um, the commentating team, which was TJ DeSantis, who I'm assuming they're just going to keep as a steady person between EBI and CJJ, with Kevin Gastelum and Ben Saunders. Um, again, the the commentary team is is not too strong. Maybe they're maybe it's going a little bit better right now, but I can't hear it to say whether it is or not. Um, Started off a little a little rough. Yeah, and this is the first event for this, but you know they're talking about a lot of a lot of nonsense when it comes to some of the things where it's like this will just incentivize this, and really, if you're adding strikes, no matter what it is, go straight up boss route and hit them with the heel of your your palm and try to knock them unconscious. If you're gonna add striking to jujitsu, your goal to be should be to maim your opponent, honestly, and if that doesn't happen. That should allow the submission to be opened. 
Yeah. So I think we'll see guys get better and better and better and be more familiar with, okay, how to strike with the palm. Because I think guys are still adapting to the rule set and figuring out, okay, how do I have to position my hand? How do I have to come through the strike so that you're hitting with, like, the palm and, like, the meat of the bottom of the hand as opposed to, like, the metatarsal, metacarpals in the front part of the hand. Exactly. And that actually leads into the next match, which was uh, Denny Propikos versus uh, Elias Anderson. Um, weird match to watch. Uh, Elias, straight off the bat, like pimp slapped uh, Denny on the feet, which is not allowed. It was just dude got super excited and smacked him in the face. Um, but Elias started adapting this strategy, which could have been good if he had long arms or was, you know, just heavy striking. But he immediately, well, not immediately, but would go down onto a knee and be considered a downed opponent so you could swing. It works fine and dandy, but the person that's standing over you can still generate a lot of force and smack you in the face really hard. Uh, There was a lot of back and forth with that. Um, This one went to, uh, again, overtime. We did get see get to see the first implementation of what they call the get down rule, which needs to be renamed immediately. That is, that is such a terrible name, like stand up rule. I mean, you're standing, but we got to get down. Are they going to, are they going to have a a B-boy battle? I'm, I'm confused. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially after two minutes, uh, it's just if it's not on the ground, they're going to do a coin toss, and whoever wins gets to pick where they get to be in butterfly guard. You're either on the bottom in butterfly or uh, on top in butterfly, and the person has double underhooks. So Elias ended up on top. Um, the commentators were confused as to what was going on. They thought it was overtime, and they were in butterfly, and they were just talking about overtime rules. And then they were like, oh, wait, it's not overtime yet. That's something I think that your commentary staff should should be aware of. Like, fighters' names, fighters' backgrounds, and rule set. I think it's a really basic thing that if you're commentating a professional event, especially a pay-per-view event, like the event's $20 pay-per-view, your commentary team should be aware of who your grapplers are, who your competitors are, and what your rule set they're competing in is. Yes, but I also don't think Eddie 100% knows the rules of it right now because he's still molding it. Um, And it's not a knock against him. It's the first one that he's doing that it's singularly focused on this. Excuse me. Because at first you keep seeing all these things where, oh, there's going to be three overtime, three overtime rounds like EBI. And then randomly thrown in midway through the match. Oh, by the way, all the uh, quarterfinals matches are just one overtime. It's like, oh, okay. And previously for combat jiu-jitsu and EBI, you have no striking. Well, now they added striking into the round. So, Which I think is important. Like on, In overtime, if you're going to do combat jiu-jitsu, there has to be striking in the overtime as well as in regulation, or else you're just, you go from doing combat jiu-jitsu to all of a sudden you have Eddie Bravo overtime rules with no striking. And I think that makes the overtime a lot more exciting because guys now do not want to end up in overtime rules with strikes. Is the back available or is it only spider web? Back and spider web. But that again leads to another point in the following match when the pay-per-view started. They led with the EBI CJJ champion Nick Holstein versus Nick Pace. And Nick Pace got outpaced. Like he positionally nothing. Nothing. Nick Holstein was just dominant the entire time. 
using strikes well, transitioning, you know, multiple times, landing in submissions, almost finished a triangle Kamora, all sorts of stuff. It was it was looking really good. It gets to it gets to overtime. Nick Pace has the back first, is transitioning through, trying to go for the choke. Ends up where I'm like, all right, uh, Nick Holstein's about to uh, get out of this and he'll be in mount and that's technically out of the position and then they'll go to the next one. This is only one round, so it'll be who's got the fastest escape. He gets stuck in a head and arm choke and it, you know, they're not stopping it until he's clear of it. He gets clear of it. Switch. Holstein's going, using strikes very effectively from the back. But that ended up biting him in the ass in the end because Pace transitioned to mount really quick while he was striking and he escaped faster. So the guy that is your 135 EBI CJJ champion got knocked out first round. I think some of the matchmaking is, I don't think it's it's super smart. So some of the seating might be off. But yes. I think partially that could be because of no one's quite sure what the rule set and the change of rules from event to event is going to occur. But again, you know, your matchmaking and your seating at this point, you kind of know what these are all professional guys. You've seen what they can do. You've seen what they're capable of. Your seating should be a little bit more even. Yes and no. Um, it was it was interesting how it, it went down and it'll be interesting to see how it evolves going into it. But that's the way uh, the cookie crumbles, as they say. So the next match at 135 at the Bantamweight Tournament was Sidemar Harnario from uh, Henzo Gracie, Philly versus uh, J.M. Holland from 10th Planet, Bethlehem. Um, it was really tentative on the feet. Harnario was going after foot sweeps a lot, hitting them hard, and J.M. was complaining that he was getting kicked. Uh, that wasn't really the case. Finally, it goes to the ground, and this is, again, where you see the striking implemented, and if somebody's smart, it's used properly. Uh, Sidemar was wailing on Holland, which eventually led to him cutting him open, actually. So, got a little bit of blood going in that match, which was cool, which was great. It's like, okay, this is what happens if this shows you... Is jujitsu effective on the street? Uh, it can be, but if you're trying to punch people, you got to be careful. So that again went to overtime. Uh, Sidemar looked a little tired. Eventually escaped, uh, and then he took spiderweb position and just held on, held on, held on, and actually finished the armbar in overtime to win his match. Um, as I was leaving. Uh, the Barrett Yoshida Sheridan Moran uh, match was going on. I didn't get to see it, so I can't break it down. I love watching Barrett Yoshida compete. I've been watching him since I started watching jujitsu years and years and years ago. Um, he's a tiny dude. He's awesome. Got a mean, mean back crucifix. He does. It's fantastic. Um, but he. Barrett lost uh, via fastest submission escape in overtime. In the next match, we have Nathan Trepangier versus Chad George. Chad George wins by Darshtok in regulation. 
After that, we have the lightweights. We get Mike Zindler versus Wagner Hosha. And for once, Wagner Hosha actually wins via rear naked choke in regulation. So that was good. Uh, if you caught a few weeks ago, Wagner Hosha was on the EBI, I think EBI 13, where every single one of his matches went the full distance. And the commentary team was very eager to call that out, that even if he were to win that particular tournament, he would get no money as he had not finished a single person within regulation. So it was nice watching him get a win by Renica Choke in regulation. Uh, next match was Josh Hayden versus Rafael Domingos. Might be Rafael. I'm not sure if he's Portuguese or not. Uh, Hayden wins by heel hook in regulation. Uh, following that match, we had Samson Pro Home about versus Nathan Orchard. Or- Orchard wins by submission. Renica Choke. In regulation. Uh, after that, we had James Gonzalez versus Tyson Griffin to kind of finish out this section of the lightweights before we move on to the finals. Um, Gonzalez wins with the quickest escape in overtime. You know, we're seeing not as many matches go to overtime in this particular tournament, but still, I think about 50% are going into the overtime. Um, after that, we move on to the bantamweight semifinals. We have Nick Pace versus Sidemar again. Um, Sidemar wins via knee bar in regulation. And then we have Sidemar versus Chad George in the finals. And we get Chad George winner of Renaked Choke in overtime. He goes on to win the belt and $5,000. So really good overall. Last fight of the night, we have Wagner Hosha versus Nathan Orchard. Um, in this fight, we see Hosha eventually get to top. And he actually gets a TKO with slaps in regulation versus Nathan Orchard. Um, really interesting finish to the end of the match. You saw... Orchard reaching up from the mount position and really unable to keep Wagner's posture down. Um, I'm not exactly certain why he wasn't was unable to control Wagner and let him posture up the way he did. Um, Nathan has a lot of fights. The 10th Planet website has him listed as having 21 fights. It doesn't say professional or non-professional. Um, the best record I can find for him um, is 7-5. and five. Uh, That's a mix between amateur and pro. I can't really find any other record online through Sharedog, through Topology, through Underground that has him with more than 13 fights. So I'm not exactly certain um, if he's counting his smoker fights or what's going on, but he wins. He gets TKO'd. Um, this fight gets stopped by the Viking referee. Uh, it really looks like they're using the same stoppage rules as they do for MMA. Even though he doesn't look like he's going to get knocked out, he is at a certain point he kind of starts to turn, stops intelligently defending himself. Uh, and gets the TKO. So Wagner Hosha wins uh, $15,000 and the lightweight CJJ belt. So that was outstanding to see at the end. Also, this is the first TKO stoppage we've ever seen in CJJ. So that was really interesting as well, especially it occurs in the finals of the lightweight bracket at the end of this tournament. So that was really interesting. It's a CJJ first. You see a TKO stoppage due to open hand strikes. Really quickly going to touch on uh, super fight that happened between Craig Jones and Kit Dale at Grappling Industries. And quickly is a good word because, I mean, I I get that they're friends with the guys that run Grappling Industries, but it was kind of pointless to do Kit Dale versus Craig Jones. You know, they're tr- they they are or they were training partners. They know each other's games. They were going after each other, but it went to the limit. And you know. Eh, it was hyped up because it was kind of like a jokey thing. And then it was, you know, that. I don't think they were going as serious as they could have been had it been against a, a different opponent. Yeah. Uh, and um, Craig Jones wins a, uh, a decision. 
you know, over Kid Dale in that. And he has been active since the last ADCC. You know, he completed in a Smission Underground again. Um, another another super fight. Coffs Harbor Invitational. Um, so he's been busy since ADCC. So it's, you know, always exciting to see a guy coming off a big win, getting in a lot of super fights. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's smart to keep on that, that grind from what you had before. Um, Especially coming off a big training camp huge like he had training for ADCC. Camp, huge wins. So... Good on him for getting out there. Yeah, but it was good not... on them for just getting out there. It wasn't anything that was going to be special where you were like, oh, you know, Craig Jones versus Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones versus Gary Tonin, Craig Jones versus whoever, or Kit Dale versus whoever. Those would have been more exciting, but... It's two guys that train together yeah. that have a super fight. It, it was just, it kind it's of weird. Happen. It goes it's the like, decision, goes the distance, know. and, and uh, Craig Jones gets the nod. Yeah. So now we're jumping into some quick snippets from the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Rio. Um, again, we're we're gonna keep pushing that we were busy all weekend, and unfortunately, this can't be our full time job yet. Um, and there were so many events going on this weekend. It was an awesome yeah, week- great, weekend, great weekend for grappling. Uh, Friday night, Friday, uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Brazil. Started, a bunch of different matches happened. Then Saturday, a lot of the black belt finals happened. And then even into Sunday, there were more matches happening. They put on a big tournament with a lot of names showing up. And um, there, were some, there were some good matches that we were able to actually catch. Um, and these are also things that you can find online. They are posting them so people can watch it and really get into it. Uh, the Hiago George, or I'm hoping that's George Again, terrible with name pronunciation. Versus uh, Joao Miao, which went to a ref decision. They were just going back and forth. Lots of sweeps. Lots of, you know, typical Miao-type match. uh, Back and forth. And he ends up with the nod at the very end. uh, Winning 6-6. It's a cool match. I enjoy watching the Miaos. Uh, Some people don't. Yeah, previous match in the the semifinals. Miao goes Barambolo. Back take works the works the back. It's I think at one point he's up eight uh, zero with the bow and arrow choke in, and they roll off the mat. Abu Dhabi has some interesting rules where they roll off the mat, they do a reset. Miao gets two points for the reset, and they start back on the feet, which was kind of an interesting reset rule, at least for me to see. I'm just not as used to that that reset rule. It all depends. IBJJF sometimes does something like that when you're positionally in a certain area, or it looks like you're about to hit a takedown, and the guy was escaping. I just think he was in the Renica choke. Sorry, he wasn't a bow and arrow. He was in the Renica choke, and he they roll off, and he's in it, and they reset. It was it was kind of a weird reset for me. They gave him the points, but then they reset. That I feel is something to where it's like you're in the rear naked choke, even if you're out. Let let him finish it. Like that right. doesn't make any sense to stop them. Oh, here's two points, but now you're back on your feet. You don't even have the back anymore. Yeah, you're even you're in an even position where you were in the process of finishing. So it's, that was that was kind of a weird reset and kind of. An interesting thing within their rule set, but it was, yeah. again, if you want to watch a meow match, watch him go down. He be butt scoots immediately. Baron bowls him, takes his back, gets the collar, in, and then you just have great hand fighting from the back as he goes through and transitions from the bow and arrow to the rear naked choke. Just classic meow match. Yeah, um, not going into anybody like super deep or anything like that, but one of the things that I think is really awesome about what the UAE uh, jujitsu thing is again. Uh, just jujitsu, no politics about this, uh, about anything when it comes to UAE. Um, but they have a whole para jujitsu 
division. Anyone with handicaps or anything, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be mental handicaps. It could be physical disabilities. It could be whatever. They have a whole side division for that. And just because you compete in that division does not mean that you can't compete in the regular division either. Because there are several competitors that do both where they will do the para jiu-jitsu division and they will also do the regular divisions or the, you know, master division. So I think that's something that a lot of tournaments, uh, the bigger ones anyway, could uh, develop if there is a need for it. Um, Brazil is, again, the birthplace of jiu-jitsu, so, you know, everybody's doing it. So you've got guys, and you've seen it before, where you have, uh, you know, you have people with several different handicaps, and they're still training. There are, you know people with autism and other things like that where they're coming out and you'll see those matches on YouTube, you know, purple belt with disabilities takes on former UFC champion. I believe it was a purple belt took on Jose Aldo one time and it was just an exhibition match, but letting somebody feel competition just because they have something that is different about them mentally, physically or whatever. I think that, makes the spirit of jiu-jitsu and makes jiu-jitsu in general better. And it's just something that everybody can, literally everybody can do. Yeah, it was really interesting to see on the scheduling as well. They didn't just block out a time for them. Those divisions were running concurrently with the other divisions as well. So that was nice to see that it wasn't this separate event. It was, you know, these, the pair divisions, we have adults, women's divisions, all running at the same time. So put those competitors on the same stage as you know, the standard, more common divisions. That was nice to say. Yeah. Um, jumping back in, again, quick snippets of things we saw. Shanji still being a beast, still being, I mean, that guy's like 900 years old. Not really. He's like black 35. belt for 12 years. He's like 35, really. He's only a couple of years older than I am. And he's just murking people, you know, Doing judo, I, there's literally a clip, one of the first clips I saw, I woke up the other morning, it's like, what's going on in jiu-jitsu right now? And it's, watch Shanji throw people. And he just tried to do a Sayonagi over and over and over again, and then finally hit it. And I was like, there, there it is, good old Shanji, just throwing dudes. So again, great clip it to where you can find something. Shanji, you know, putting in work. Uh, even at an quote-unquote older age, keeping up with all the, the young folk. Yeah, there was a match between Zandi and uh, Patrick Gaudio. 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 That uh, was really interesting. I think it was the quarterfinals or the semifinals. I don't I don't recall. Um, and I watched both of them actually get a penalty for stalling. And it was almost like if you watch judo, they're very, very aggressive with their stalling penalties. And it was fantastic because they didn't – they were both kind of circling, circling, circling for maybe – 10 or 12 seconds, and they both got a stalling penalty. So I like that uh, Abu Dhabi is actively enforcing, and you know, there's an equal stalling penalty, but that they're actively enforcing a stalling penalty to make guys active. And the matches that I saw from the event were active, fast, fast paced. Guys were moving and advancing position and finishing in regulation. I mean, because there's no, there's no out of regulation, but there were less decisions than, uh, I'm normally saying. I think there were also six-minute time limits yeah. for all the matches, which I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but I like that... You get you, more action. You get more action. There was a lot less stalling, a lot less 
of guys kind of in the in the tie-in and working for just a snap down over and over again, you get a lot less circling and stalling. So between the stalling rule and the shorter time limit, I'm actually kind of a big fan of that rule set or yeah. some aspects of that rule set. It, it, there's some nice things, and it's it's growing in popularity, and they're giving out money, which is always an incentive. Um, going back to something I spoke about earlier, Joao Miao actually lost to Hiago George uh, by advantage. I looked at the scoreboard wrong and then just checked back on the results. Um, so my bad, but Hiago George wins six, six by one advantage. Um, it was not marked on the board and the way the refs normally pick, I, uh, made an assumption, which made it an ass out of myself. Um, and again, because we didn't get to really watch a lot of it, which we'll be doing and probably editing in more or possibly just scrapping this and using a different one. Um, I'll run through the results really quick of all the male black belts and the female ones, if that pops up on my list right here. So uh, the 56 kilo category, Jose Carlos Lima takes first, uh, David Herrera second, and Juan Silva third, 62 kilo, uh, Hiago George, Joao Miao, and Jose Tiago. The 69 kilo, uh, Joao Gonclavas uh, took first, followed by Rafael Mansour and then Luis Vieira. By the way, this is also something that I think really awesome. They have more weight classes. Um, people aren't cutting as much. Some people are going up into different weight divisions. You start Pretty to see some guys thing. match up that you don't see as much because of the weight classes for IBJJF. Also true. Um, in the 77-kilo division, uh, Hugo Marquez takes first followed by Ricardo Lima and Jamie Canuto, who is competing like a madman. And you see him all over the place. And I'm surprised that he actually took third. He's normally hustling through. Um, So, again, another match that I'm going to have to catch. Uh, The 85-kilo division, uh, Izaki Benahis won, followed by Gustavo Batista and Ruan Oliveira. Moving on to 94 kilos, Patrick Gaudio wins that division. Uh, Guillermo Santos takes second, and Shanji Hibero takes third. And the final category, because they got rid of um, the final category, because they got rid of the ultra heavyweight division, the plus 110 kilo. So the 110 kilo division. Uh, Gerard Lebinski, who is from Poland, uh, who just received his black belt this year, won that division. He beat Igor Silva f- for first place. And then Guillermo Cordoviola, ooh, man, rough, can't talk, took third. Oh, yep, here we go. Uh, and then uh, the female, brown black, because, again, they still apparently don't have enough black belt women to separate that. My eyes are rolling right now. Uh, the 49 kilo is uncontested. Uh, the Misa Bastos took her default gold because she made weight. I think there were two uh, individuals in her bracket, and neither neither one of which showed up to make weight. I don't get what. Look, if you're not going to get it, switch. IBJJF lets you do that. I'm pretty sure Abu Dhabi lets you do that too. If you're still too heavy, switch divisions. You know. 
at least give the person that's in the, the weight class, oh, maybe I can just bump up and try to win. Or again, I'll just take the default gold and maybe I'll do the absolute or whatever. Uh, 55 kilos, uh, Amanda Noguera takes that, uh, followed by Mayara Abrajo and uh, Gabriela Fetcher. 62, we have a, a, a big name, Beatrice Mesquita, wins her division. Uh, she bests Bianca Basilio and Juliana Maria, Myra, excuse me, uh, rounds that out. 70 kilo, uh, this last name might sound familiar, Anna Carolina Vieira wins that division. That's right, that's Adolfo's younger sister, who's turned into a monster in her own right. Bested uh, Tamara Silva and Hanata Morea uh, rounds out 70 kilos. Uh, Finally, the 90 kilo division, Claudio Doval took first, Heloisa Ferreira second, and Samela Shohami. Ooh, man. They're making these names harder on purpose, so I just stumble and bumble. Rounded out the 90 kilo female black belt division. Some interesting information going back to the matches that we did view. Uh, the Zandy match versus Patrick Gouger. Actually, he lost that match via referee decision, and there was an interesting thing that happened during that match uh, he had an armbar attempt towards the beginning of the match that the commentary team thought that he should have received an advantage for. Uh, had he received an advantage for that attempt, he would have basically won the match via advantage, but he was never credited with that advantage, so it was, it was interesting. The commentary team at the end went, well, maybe he, you know, there was reasons why he didn't receive that, but in their eyes, he should have received an advantage for that. Uh, he also beats Adam Wardzinski, who is the guy that's currently ranked number one or was ranked number one in the UAE um, Grand Slam with their tournament series, and and with the ranking, with that, it's just accumulation of points. It's a lot of competitions. It's a lot of did you place in this and that, and they just factor in points from there. So it's not saying like this guy is the best guy. And Mordzinski's a, a solid competitor and has beaten Shanji before, and you know has beaten a lot of good dudes, but competes you know, with Abu Dhabi a lot. Does that a lot, and you know. You see him around, you catch him, catch his BJJ scout study on YouTube. Um, really, really good. Really study. good. I, I really wish I knew who that guy was and just talk about him and how, how awesome he is. Um, yeah, so Wardzinski, you know, is ranked number one because of point-wise. It's not, if you're not super into jujitsu and don't know how that works out. It's not like this is the best guy ever. And he just beat him. He's just been competing a lot with them and is ranked number one. And that factors into money that he receives near the end of the season. Uh, Same thing with IBJJF where people start chasing points and everything like that. It happened with Herbert Santos and Leandro Lowe this year where they were going after each other. Um, Point wise, and Herberth was in the lead for a while, and then Lowe was doing more tournaments to get that $15,000 because, hey, who doesn't want an extra $15,000? Yeah, especially in Jitsu. That's a, that's a lot of money. That's a, that's a decent chunk of change that uh, you can pocket. And, you know, they went back and forth, and a big factor into Herberth losing the number one spot was he ran into Leandro Lowe. In 
a weight class and an absolute, and he lost both times. So taking that second place knocked out some of those points, and it bumped low up. And the only thing that they didn't factor in the Worlds from that year because it's calculated right before the World Tournament happens, but that then factors into the next one. But these guys don't seem to be aiming for number one again this year. So now there's been talks of Keenan trying to grab the number one spot. He's been competing a lot more coming back from that injury. His teammate, Lucas Barbosa Hulk um, is also going for it. And he's currently ranked ahead of him. Um, I think that'll be another interesting topic to talk about, talk about, is the IBJJF ranking and where people are sitting. Uh, it might be a segment where we pop in every once in a while after a couple of major tournaments. We're like, beep, 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 IBJJF ranking updates. And we just give you the top, you know, 10 guys and yeah, 10 really, ladies. Just moving in the standings, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that as well because I think it's interesting. The various, especially as you have larger tournaments like IBJJF, um, UAE, that are starting to establish you know, more robust ranking systems within their organizations. When guys move in those, um, it's it's more and more a better indicator of who's the top guy now for a number of reasons or who's competing most actively yeah. and winning most actively in those particular it's, organizations. It's definitely more who's the most active because if you start throwing guys in that pop in for just the major tournaments like pans and worlds and occasionally, you know, or the euros, the euros or the Brazilieros, um, you're not going to see uh, everybody there. You at pans and worlds, you're going to see, uh, the big guys that are out there. You're going to see, you're going to see your Kyos. You're going to see, well, it used to be, you were going to see the Mendez brothers, but you don't really see them anymore. Um, you know, Lowe's, Santos, former 10-time world champions. You never know when it came to that. I mean, Marcelo was known for that where you'd come out at Worlds and that's when you would see him, but he doesn't compete anymore either. So it's a lot of these other guys are just at all of these Rio Opens and Sao Paulo Fall Opens and things like that. And they go, 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 go. Yeah, or events that are close to there where they live. Exactly. And, you know, you just rank points. and Okay, well, I'll... I know I'm going to win first place in my division and I know I'm going to win, you know, top three in the absolute. So let me build up those points. You're going to start getting more people flying around now and trying to rank it up. Because again, you know, unless you're a multi-millionaire, billionaire, whatever, if you've got money being fed to you, $15,000 is a good amount of money when you just do jujitsu. I mean, you can't, can't it's nothing to sneeze at next week we're going to be touching on fight to win pro 55 as well as the hague grand prix for judo and potentially touching on a couple of the ibjjf events as well uh this will be the first week full week of the sumo tournament so josh may touch on that at a certain point as well we are also going to preview submission underground six if you're not familiar with submission underground that's chael's organization out of portland oregon we also may go back after the fact and touch on the openweight judo tournament that the IJF ran in Morocco. It is actually a fairly slow week for submission grappling. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grappling Rewind. If you have any questions, please email us at grapplingrewind at gmail.com. Also, if you like the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us out. If you want to follow Josh on Instagram, it's at chops underscore and underscore chokes.